Welcome to Horty Springer's Health Law Expressions podcast on a segment we like to call the Kickback Chronicles. I'm Henry Cassell. And I'm Haley Mazoffer. We invite you to kick back and relax as we dive into this week's case. The title of today's podcast is The Alchemy of Fraud. If you listened to our last episode, we discussed the Office of Inspector General's recent fraud alert on telehealth fraud and then briefly discussed the recent indictment of a pharmacist in Pennsylvania who was charged with telemedicine fraud. We haven't really had the opportunity to explore fraud in the pharmaceutical world yet, so today we're going to take a deeper dive on a case involving a pharmacist, telemedicine fraud, and a guilty plea. Now, I think it's helpful when we look at an area we don't typically deal with to bring in what some might call an expert. Just to give us some ins and outs of the industry because even as individuals in the healthcare field, pharmacies and pharmacists have the tendency to be a little more isolated. Lucky for us, we were able to fly out one of our best guys. So please allow me to introduce our first guest ever, Henry Casal. Now, not Henry, current partner at Horty Springer, but Henry, former pharmacist. Thank you, Hale. I'm happy to be here. And yes, in a past life, I was a pharmacist. Although the last time that I practiced pharmacy was long before you were born. Also, I should add, I've given up my license, so I am no longer a licensed pharmacist. But that's another story. Pharmacy is one of the most trusted of our healthcare professions. While some people think that all a pharmacist does is fill prescription bottles, Feeling a prescription is much more involved than that simple act. The pharmacist needs to make sure that the drug and the dosage on the drug are appropriate for the patient's care, that the patient is not allergic to the medicine, and that the newly prescribed drug will not interact with any of the patient's current medications. Then there's the business side of the pharmacy business. I'm sure that the billing process has changed dramatically since the last time I practiced pharmacy, which as I said, long, long ago. But one thing that has not changed is that the pharmacy needs to make sure that the bill that is sent to the payer accurately reflects the drug that was actually dispensed. This is especially true when filling a prescription that is paid for in whole or in part by a federal health care plan. A federal health care program for a trade name pharmaceutical but use a much cheaper generic to fill the patient's prescription will constitute Medicare fraud and will violate the Federal False Claims Act. Topical creams, whether they are off the shelf or compounded by the pharmacist as a group, can be very pricey. Also, since they are not ingested by the patient, side effects are not readily apparent. As a result, it's less noticeable to charge a patient for topical creams that the patient never picks up than it is for an oral medication. The same is true if a pharmacist fills a prescription for a cheaper topical medication than the topical that was actually billed. All of which brings us to today's case. So this case focuses on Michael Murphy, a 37-year-old from Fort Lauderdale. Now, while not a pharmacist, Murphy, and who the indictment referenced as his co-conspirators, invested in Cure Pharmacy in Jacksonville, Florida, and then the BOH Pharmacy Group and Discover Pharmacy, also in Florida. Now, all these pharmacies participated in the Medicare Part D program prior to being acquired. 
So between November 2019 through roughly March 2021, Murphy and his co-conspirators got access to Medicare beneficiaries' personal identifiable information. They then set up a call center to contact these beneficiaries and offer them prescription medicines and topical creams at no cost, without regard to any actual medical necessity for those prescriptions. In addition to that, they also paid kickbacks and bribes to telemarketing companies in exchange for recruiting more Medicare beneficiaries to accept prescriptions for various medications. You probably guessed it, but mainly topical creams, which the beneficiaries usually didn't want or need. And if that wasn't enough, they also paid bribes and kickbacks to the telemedicine company to pay to their employed or contracted medical professionals for providing signed prescriptions for these medications. Now, if you recall from our last podcast, and we know you're loyal listeners and listen to all of our podcasts, the, we discussed the OIG's fraud alert that focused on telemarketing companies who paid kickbacks to healthcare providers. The case that Hala just described is much more involved, with kickbacks starting at the pharmacy, going to the telemarketing company, and from there, from the telemarketing company to the providers. It was quite an elaborate setup. Thanks to the OIG's fraud alert and our last episode of the Kickback Chronicles, we hope that before any of you get involved with a telemarketing company, bells will go off to tell you to proceed with caution anytime anyone is offering to pay you for doing nothing but ordering an item or service or to provide a medical service without examining a patient. But greed being what it is, not everyone listens to our sage advice. No, they don't, Henry. So in this particular scheme, with kickbacks flying left and right, you should have bells ringing in your ears telling you that this is clearly not okay. So here, Murphy and his co-conspirators had their own call center. They were paying kickbacks to telemarketers for recruiting patients and then paying kickbacks to telemedicine companies to get prescription signs. And then from there, it's a tale as old as time. These kickbacks and bribes were concealed by sham contracts and agreements. The physicians had no physician-patient relationship with the beneficiaries, and they typically signed the prescriptions after a quick telephone conversation with the beneficiary or without even having any contact with them at all. And as you can imagine, it's going to be pretty tough to justify writing a prescription for a topical cream for something like a rash if you've never seen a patient, much less talked to them. So after Murphy would get these signed prescriptions and the Medicare beneficiary information, he and his co-conspirators would submit claims to Medicare for these medically unnecessary medications. Now, some of these medications actually did get dispersed to patients, and to encourage the beneficiaries to keep the drugs and not return them, he routinely didn't attempt to collect pharmacy co-payments. And sometimes they would submit these prescriptions through multiple pharmacies they owned and controlled in a practice known as recycling. Now, recycling wasn't around in my day, but it takes, from what I can tell, it takes several forms at its simplest in the scheme, a prescription is automatically filled, even when the patient does not request a refill. Without the patient's knowledge, the pharmacy will then bill Medicare for prescriptions that the patient never picks up. They do the same with federal employee, health benefit program, Medicaid, and TRICARE. Because the prescriptions are still in the store, they can rinse and repeat and get away with it. Another variation on this theme is when medications go unused, either due to a change in prescription by a doctor or due to the patient relocation or death. These medications have to be returned to the pharmacies to be properly disposed of. However, one 
Pharmacy has been found guilty of fraud for recycling medications by serving as a collection point where unused medication was opened and repackaged with existing drug stocks at the pharmacy to be reused in the filling of subsequent prescriptions. This caused drugs from different manufacturers with different expiration dates, different lot numbers to be mixed together in stock prescription bottles. Employees then prepared fake labels and reused the medication. That appears to be what happened in the case that Hala just described. So when all was said and done over this two-year period, they were reimbursed $8.3 million by Medicare Part D. That said, while the government might be slow, they are relentless. Murphy and his co-conspirators were caught, and in the last week of September, on the heels of Hurricane Ian, Crashing into the west coast of Florida, Murphy pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit health care fraud. Now, if convicted, he's looking at a maximum of 10 years in prison. I also want to mention something unique about Murphy's indictment that I personally don't think I've seen before, but Henry has. So, as is usual in these types of cases, the indictment mentions forfeiture of property equal to the amount of funds illegally obtained. That's not unusual at all. But in this indictment, the DOJ was already able to trace those funds to specific items that were purchased and name them and require Murphy to forfeit over $3.6 million in identified assets. So Murphy must forfeit his home in Fort Lauderdale, a five and a half carat pear-shaped diamond ring, a diamond wedding band, a man's and woman's watches worth between $45,000 and $50,000 each, a $12,000 painting, two vehicles, and a traded investment account held by Murphy. Up to 10 years behind bars, telling your wife that she has to give back her wedding ring, fancy watching car, and losing all your ill-gotten gains, as well as loss of license and exclusion from all federal health care programs. The wills, when you, when you consider all of the things that the government can do, it may be that the wheels of justice may grind slowly, but when they catch up with someone, they scream, crime does not pay. If you want to learn more about the False Claims Act, the Anti-Kickback Statute, the Stark Law, Telemedicine, and much more, please be sure to check out the Horty Springer website for more information and new and upcoming opportunities for uh, seminars on these subjects, including the one that we are going to have in Phoenix on November 20, 2023. Yeah, 2023. Uh-huh. Wow, next year. <laughs> and we hope to see you there. Thanks for listening and tune in next time to the Kickback Chronicles to keep learning from the misfortune of others.